0: Welcome to Spooky, Spooky Psychology. Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Hello and welcome back to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. I am Megan. And I am and Lauren.
1: Lauren. How you guys doing? How you doing? Welcome back. So good to see you. The
0: part the part of the intro where we talk to you is if we're going to actually get an answer. Yes. We hope you're well. You're looking lovely, all of you. You look great today. Love your hair. Love that new style. Mm-hmm crushing it all of you so yeah i think first things first uh couple business points right off the business top. time the uh, socks w- are going on socks are going on we hope you all listened to that by the way I hope there was a steep uptick in views. Somebody on TikTok actually talked about that. They're
1: like, when you talked about Flight of the Concords, are you talking about the New Zealand band? I was like,
0: yes, of course. Obviously, yes, the band from New Zealand. Listen to It's Business Time. If you haven't yet, it's funny. So thank you to uh, the person on <laughs> Apple reviews who went back and specifically told us what audio feedback they have. Thank you. That was incredibly helpful. We've redone some recording stuff and hopefully this is better for you. So thank you.
1: Yeah, we genuinely appreciate that. We appreciate feedback and and ways that we can be better because we want to be better.
0: Mm -hmm. We absolutely do. So again, if you are experiencing audio issues please give us specific feedback on what you're hearing so we can make sure we are addressing it you can message us on the facebook page if Mm -hmm. that works well for you um, or comment or comment on any review site anywhere just let us know what episode you're listening to and what the issue is we will do our best to fix it again i am hoping sometime soon, possibly over the summer, when people stop going to therapy and I, my schedule opens up quite a bit, that I can go back and re-edit some of our older episodes and re-release with better audio. So that's the hope. I'm go- intending on going back and fixing it. So any feedback you have is appreciated. Yeah. And then we want to address the narcissistic personality disorders episode. Um, right. Very divisive. In our audience we got some really positive feedback and some really negative feedback as well so we just want to address that we are genuinely sorry if anything we came across you know we said came across as stigmatizing or you know insensitive to people with narcissistic personality disorder or any other personality disorder it's of course never Mm -hmm. our intention to be offensive, and we're sorry when we miss the mark. We try to make things, you know, accurate to what the DSM says and also mm-hmm. amusing and lighthearted and easy to understand. And unfortunately, that doesn't, that doesn't always come across. That doesn't always work. Um, exactly.
1: And, you know, we really hope that it comes across, and if not, you know, we'll do better, um, that we really try to actually destigmatize a lot of disorders and make them seem not spooky actually Mm -hmm. so you know we'll continue to try to do that and try to debunk things and help you guys understand them to the best of our ability but just know we have you know empathy for people and we never want people to feel stigmatized or talked bad about that's definitely
0: not the goal yeah of course and You know, I don't think we're gonna go too much into the specifics of everything, but, you know, ultimately we're hoping to, at some point in time, find a specialist in personality disorders to come on the podcast and just kind of talk through, answer some questions we've gotten from fans, kind of address a couple things that, you know, at least are our understanding and from the research that we've read accurate, but there might be other research out there that someone would know more of so we can really make sure that we are giving you guys the whole picture with somebody who knows more than us. So hopefully we will be able to find someone who can come on and talk and we'll do that in the future, but for now, just, you know, we are sorry for times when we've missed the mark and sorry if anything comes across as insensitive. We wanted to really push that people with narcissistic personality disorder are people first and they deserve help and respect and proper treatment and support. So exactly. And I think
1: it'll be cool to have somebody on here who does specialize in personality disorders because, you know, like Megan was saying, like that's not really our, our wheelhouse. But to talk to somebody where that is their wheelhouse and their specialty, I think it'd be cool just to ask questions and, you know, if you have any questions um, for a personality disorder specialist, I mean, feel free to send those in and then we can kind of find somebody to answer those.
0: Yeah. Let us know. What do you want to know? We will find someone who's more qualified than us to answer for you and we'll just make jokes in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) and support them and And maybe send
1: them a starbucks gift card who knows
0: who knows they're doing amazing out there so yeah we will hopefully be able to do that in the future we don't have a timeline yet uh, but we will work on that just to make sure we are you know getting you accurate information and if we're wrong about things that way we know
1: yeah absolutely Um, and we're also going to be um more sensitive going forward regarding mouse clicks uh, just extra noises just because I do understand for people who might have neurodiversity like myself for example or I'm ADHD things can get really distracting and it's hard to pay attention if you hear like little clickety clacks in the background so we're going to try to improve that as well
0: yes and hopefully this episode is in general better just uh if you don't mind if I share some please personal share your news, For anyone who has been listening for a long time, uh, I have finally moved out of my shitty apartment that I've been talking about on the air for years. Um, Unfortunately, not fully moved out yet, but you know, it's always hard. There's always like that one carload of just random stuff that you use like once a year. Like so many hangers (laughs) that you just need to transport. (laughs) So many hangers, we have like our mixer and a bunch of wrapping paper and like christmas decorations that only come out once a year we've still got to bring over but i am now recording in our guest bedroom slash office and i'm hopeful that since i'm in a fully separate room than everything else that at least my audio will be better this time less background noise less of my neighbors just doing random things So hopefully this works better for you. Also, I'm just real happy, guys. That apartment, I'm just trying to give this a visualization is we Mm -hmm. hired movers. And our old apartment was so bad that the movers were telling us it. They're like, this entire building is awful. They're like, they literally, these are professional movers that are telling me this. Like, They're like, your old apartment was terrible. I'm like, I'm well aware. I lived there for five years. You guys were there for an hour. And then at the end, they're like, we pulled into your new place. And they're like, well, you know, these people are getting a big step up. Good for you. <laughs> so I feel like you know it's bad when the movers are just spontaneously telling you how much better your new place is. Yep. Yep. So really interesting weekend on my end.
1: Well, I am very happy for you guys. That's going to be so awesome. Thank
0: you. once Gotham calms down, she's struggling. She's having a bit of a moment. Bit of a social anxiety, separation anxiety moment here, but she will be fine.
1: I mean, my um, pigs have anxiety. We have to give them Trazodone. Everyone here is on anxiety meds.
0: <laughs> anxiety meds all over, all over the, place. the place in your household. Uh-huh. Pig meds, people meds. It's a mess. Yeah. Benny, so far so yeah. good. I don't think he struggles with anxiety. <laughs> I am... So glad that you don't have to give your baby anxiety. <laughs> Could you medication imagine that? Like, like, <laughs> like
1: the kind of, like, you shoot with like a syringe, like Xanax.
0: You're just like, you give birth to him and he's just having a panic attack 30 seconds later, just like, oh no, you got the worst of my genes. I'm so sorry. For- Poor little dude. He seems he seems very, he's happy. He is a happy he boy. He seems like such a happy baby. Even when we, we, Lauren and I saw each other in person, yes. which does not happen often, but was lovely. Yes. And, you know, Benny did not seem anxious in new environments. He was looking at a plant. Mm-hmm. He was having a great time. really interested in a plant. Maybe I should get you an aloe vera plant. He would probably well. love it. <laughs> Staring at that thing. That was great. So, you know. You know. At least. I did not know that you had to give both. Is it both the pigs are on anxiety meds? Now, yeah. Or just
1: one. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. This has been a recent development. Um, Because we were just
0: doing CBD, but it wasn't cutting the mustard, so they say. Yeah. Yes, Gotham will be getting CBD today. Because she's, you know... Not not loving being alone at the moment. Luckily, she she's okay on C B D for now. I will, of course, get her some meds from my lovely vet if she ends up needing it. Also, I guess just PSA, your animals can also get mentally ill. Yeah. So yeah. be
1: aware. Be, aware of be that.
0: observant.
1: Also, pro tip, it's cheaper to get a lot of meds through Chewy. You just have to have the vet approve it and then a little Mm -hmm. bit cheaper
0: so if you're getting trazodone (laughs) for your pigs (laughs) this episode is brought to you by chewy Chewy uh, and trazodone (laughs) and trazodone not officially but chewy if you're listening i mean any people who work at chewy if you want to sponsor us we would love that or trazodone i took trazodone for maybe two years did you like it for sleep uh it did nothing for me (laughs) Like, absolutely nothing. Um, but with um, my unique diagnoses, the downside is that you're in pain all the time and you can't sleep. And it's also one of the diagnoses that a lot of medical professionals take to mean that you are a drug seeker and they won't give you anything for. And I personally am a terrible candidate for sleeping medication, they cannot put me on anything. Mm. So they tried Trazodone. I don't know that it helped. They were just doing it because it can also make you sleepy. G- and so they hope that it can help some people sleep. But yeah, also, I really want to do an episode on a uh, sleep. That would be good issues because i know i've mentioned it before i have a huge sleep paralysis problem um i also have the notable distinction of the fact that i have actually broken my wrist in my sleep and not woken up that is why i'm not a good candidate for sleeping medication Um, i also have a history of sleep walking sleep talking and sleep singing my apologies to my sister kate yeah i i shared a room with my sister growing up and apparently i sleep sang and drove her crazy so sorry kate um (laughs) she's just whispering to herself it's okay it's okay (laughs) she feels that kate is a friend of the podcast and also a patron and also a blanket maker of my son's blanket (laughs) She, she does also make blankets um Nice ones. So how does Benny like it's his It's a lot. Plan? It's very cozy. Very good. Very good. So yeah, um, I think that would be fun to do a episode on weird sleep things. Yeah, if you
1: guys want to send in weird things that you've experienced related to sleep, I love hearing mm-hmm. stories,
0: and we can share them if you're comfortable. Yeah, that would be great. I do. I love stories. I love getting to share random Me too. stuff. From our fans. So... We learned so much.
1: Oh, speaking of um, like people listening in and stuff like that, I think we're going to do a giveaway at some point,
0: right? We are so... Very exciting stuff is happening. We are... Let me get you the official number. Right do, now. Do, do. This is important. Real time. Real time. So, according to... Our Libsyn statistics, we are currently at 98,557 unique downloads. Ooh. Ooh. Very exciting. I Again, I don't know how many streams we've actually had. This is specifically downloads, which are right. different. Nonetheless, we have decided that we're going to do a 100,000 download giveaway. So... I'm going to be making a Google form. You'll have to sign yourself up for the giveaway because, like, we have no way of knowing who you are. Um, Yeah, so pretty much we are going to do a giveaway. There will be a Google form. I will make it before this episode, so you can just log in, fill that out with just probably your email address and your name. We're going to randomly pick probably two. Yep. Winners, and you will be getting a lovely, very lovely, kind of yet to be very specifically determined, but we're working on it. Spooky Psych merchandise. Yep. So far, there is exactly one piece of Spooky Psych merch in existence. <laughs> it, is <laughs> <laughs> it is a newborn size. It is a newborn sized Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren onesie that I got custom made through Etsy. We're going to be doing, um, we're thinking probably like travel mugs. Maybe. I think we're going to get them custom made through Etsy. So if you are an Etsy salesperson and a listener uh, that could make us Spooky Psych Bugs, just let us know. We'd love to go through a listener or if anybody just does that. um, Like a
1: cricket and they're like good with that shit.
0: We're absolutely going to be paying yes. the person, so yes, if you if you are a if you are a maker of travel mugs and you are available to do this, we will reimburse you at your rates that you charge yep. people. Feel free to reach out; we'd love to go through a fan if possible. If not, um, we're going to be doing the whole thing probably through mm-hmm. Etsy. So if you are the winner, we'll announce your name on air. We'll also email you to get the contact information. Our plan is to just order our custom made goods and then get them sent directly to you through whoever makes them. So, um, you know, especially since Etsy's international, we're not going to limit this to uh, United States listeners. We're going to do our best. So, yeah. There will be a Google form on this episode. Fill it out to enter our giveaway. Two of you will be the only two people on the planet to have a spooky psychology with Megan and Lauren travel mug. And if
1: you guys are, like,
0: really actually interested in
1: merch, that is something we can discuss, but, like, no one's really ever brought it up,
0: so... I think one person brought it up, but it was like a year and a half ago when we were getting like 500 downloads an episode and it just was not feasible. Um, I think it's something that we are very, um, we're close to. I think it's something we're willing to entertain. It is a lot of work. Right. Um, Well,
1: and also like if you know we have listeners where you guys are like artistic and like you listen to an episode that like inspires you to like draw something i mean i feel like that would be cool like using like a listener's art
0: towards merch so what we're saying is angel if you want to make some artwork for the podcast just let us know we're fine we'll let you you know what, we were probably just gonna do the spooky psychology with Megan and Lauren logo, um, logo for mm-hmm. these travel mugs, but you know, we're even, we're will I don't know, if we do merch, we're gonna need to work with an artist, and I mean, Angel has been a fan of ours since the beginning, so we'll probably reach out to him about this. That makes the most mm. sense, actually, yes. <laughs> also, here, let me... His Insta or whatever? Yeah, I'm trying to find his Insta. Yeah, in an- Angel Perez...
1: Pumpkin, King Izzard on Instagram.
0: Okay. And that's his business one?
1: Yes. Angel Perez Pumpkin Izzard. Oh, well, yeah. I'll put it in the notes too.
0: Yeah, we'll put it in the notes. He's just a great artist. We just like his work. So, he does thank really you. good animal portraits. <laughs> he did this live. He did a lovely... Uh, phobie artwork. Oh, it was an yeah. art heated about phobios that we actually got to raffle off. It was a big fan. Actually my sister has one. Kate. Does she? Kate has. We had one phobie left. So I yeah, it went to my sister. So yes, she has the art as well. So we will promote any and all art. If anybody's made any spooky psych fan art, we will definitely consider it for merch. So Hey, you know, we're willing to do this if you guys are interested um, or if you are a merch maker who would be interested in collaborating on this endeavor. Let us know. Enter the giveaway. We'll give you a mug.
1: You can drink your coffees
0: and maybe listen to an episode. You never know. Maybe we'll just have an episode about coffee and how it's a psychoactive... Caffeine is a psychoactive substance!
1: Woohoo! Woohoo! And a diuretic! Yay! Yes, it
0: is! (laughs) It does things. Um, So, that was a weird... Weird tangent? Yeah, we're, we're having a moment here. So, this is, I think, one of our strangest and least cohesive episodes we've ever done. Gotta be honest, guys, pretty much all of my research has little to nothing to do with psychology. I just wanted to. So it's one of that episodes. It's random. And it was Mm -hmm. Lauren's idea. So Lauren, explain this episode to the people. (laughs) Lauren, explain yourself. Okay, so this
1: was inspired because there is one day where I watched this movie called The
0: Lighthouse. Have you seen it? I have not. Does it have Robert Pattinson in it? Yes, it does. I've been reading. It came up in a BuzzFeed article this week, and William Defoe, mm-hmm. um, and I love William Defoe and anything
1: that he's ever in. But As anyway, was. so we watched it. It was bizarre, but like one of the topics that came up was lighthouse people going insane, and so I was like, "Ooh, is that true? Like, is this like a thing?" So I started googling it. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, there's a lot of spooky sea shit that we could like really talk about, like phobias related to the sea or, I mean, we'll get into more of the stuff that we ended up researching, but that's what kind of got me brainstorming about this. And, um, we kind of threw the question out to patrons too, and they asked some really good questions. So
0: yeah, this episode is about spooky sea shit. And yeah, I think the takeaway that I have for this episode is in my personal opinion, the ocean is terrifying and we Mm -hmm. should be afraid of it. I don't think this isn't a logical fear at all. Um, I think I mentioned my general fear of the ocean in our cryptozoology. (laughs) episode i think you did yeah i definitely did also i spoke to my brother last night and he wants to do another episode on something so i don't know jack's probably coming back at some point for something who knows what but i think we should be afraid of the ocean the ocean is terrifying it is terrifying
1: and that's where we'll start today.
0: We're just gonna go with why. This is <laughs> why is again, the ocean I, scary. Why is the ocean scary? Again, this may be our least psychologically relevant episode ever. And I, I it's this is a fun one. If you hate it, that's okay. That's okay. This we is, had fun making it. We're. This is kind. This is for us here. This is for my heart.
1: Okay. So first and foremost, I wanted to talk to you guys about this phobia
0: that I have. <laughs> So, and I also have. Okay, so we both have it. To be fair, I'm gonna say I defend that it's a logical fear, therefore is not actually a phobia, in my opinion.
1: Yes. I'll give you all the diagnostic criteria as we do, but we're also going to defend ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this phobia is called thalassophobia. So it's, a phobia that involves persistent and intense fear of deep bodies of water, such as the ocean or the sea. What's ma- what makes this phobia different than aquaphobia, or which is the fear of water, is aquaphobia involves fear of water itself, or the lassophobia centers on bodies of water that seem vast, dark, deep, and dangerous. People are not afraid of the water so much as they are afraid of what lurks beneath its surface. So, yeah, that's horrifying to think about. There are specific types of phobias. If you want to go back and listen to our phobia episode, we talk about this. Um, but some of the main types are blood injection, natural environment type, situational type, and other. The lasso phobia, I always mess up saying that, is usually considered a natural environment type of specific phobia. Natural environment fears tend to be one of the more frequently experienced types of phobias, with some studies suggesting that water-related phobias tend to be more common among women, which is interesting. I don't know what I that's mean, about. I mean,
0: statistically tracks here. Yeah, <laughs> are both women <laughs> and both afraid of the deep ocean, so all right. Fair.
1: So let's get into a second about why this phobia is valid and not, not actually a phobia. <laughs> So, first of all, (laughs) there's less than 10% of the ocean that's actually been
0: explored. That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We know more about the surface of Mars than we do about our own ocean. And I will go into more things later because, like I said, my research on this is bizarre and goes in a bunch of different directions. But nothing I have ever learned about the deep ocean has made me believe that I shouldn't be afraid of it. I have never found out a reassuring piece of information about the ocean. It's like, it's just, you, you, it just keeps getting worse the more you read Mm -hmm. about it. And not like the ocean is bad. I do love the ocean. It's a very important ecosystem. But when you learn about, like, animals and different things that happen on boats and ships, and it's just like, this is not reassuring that we should be Mm -mm. there. I think we should just respectfully stay out of the ocean. (laughs) I don't want to be in the, like, on the beach Fine. Any past that, I'm real iffy. Just personally. If you love the deep ocean, good for you. We're not saying you should be afraid of it. It's just that it's kind of a valid fear. It's not irrational, I don't think.
1: Because if you think about it, like, first of all, you can't see everything that's in there, which is horrifying Mm -hmm. to not
0: know what is around you at all times. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a different ecosystem that just learning about the different sea creatures, you're just like, I don't, it just makes me deeply uncomfortable, some of them.
1: Like, have you seen how big sea squids are?
0: (laughs) Yes, I do discuss giant squids and colossal
1: squids. Okay, we'll, we'll circle back to that one. But I just have to say, if something as large as a school bus was next to me, I would have a heart attack and die.
0: Lauren would be dead, and the only option would be a complicated autopsy. Giant (laughs) squid would be listed as a contributing factor to death. So she would just be scared scared till she died. Scared to death. Be very unfortunate. So we got to keep Lauren away from giant and colossal squids, lest her untimely demise occur. (laughs) (laughs) Please protect me.
1: So anyway, so with this phobia, which again, I don't think is a real phobia, there is treatment. <laughs> so the treatment Yay. that's recommended is CBT and systematic desensitization, which is used for most phobias. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this type of treatment, it usually starts with imagining yourself in a progression of fearful situations. So usually you make a hierarchy of fear before beginning systematic desensitization, you have to have mastered relaxation training so you would learn things like muscle relaxation meditation breathing stuff like that yes and what you would do is you would develop that hierarchy from least feared to most feared list your fear situations and use the relaxation tex- techniques paired with those situations. And once you successfully manage your anxiety this way, you can repeat the steps in an actual situation that you fear, and the process takes you from imagination to real-life exposure.
0: I would be extremely curious to see a exposure hierarchy for somebody who is seeking treatment for this because, like, Straight up. And I don't always say that you should, like, avoid things you're afraid of. <laughs> but I think in this case, like, it's pretty easy to avoid the deep sea. You just yeah. don't go there. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's it's so easy. I know I've definitely, like, worked with clients who have an intense fear of the ocean And it, like, comes up super casually, but they're not afraid of swimming pools. They're not afraid of flying over the ocean. They're just like, I could never go on a cruise, which is a pretty easily to avoid thing. It's not like you're going to accidentally go on a cruise. There's, like, (laughs) a lot of planning. (laughs) Oh, no. So I think, like, it's also an interesting one from a treatment perspective, because Of course, depending on where you live. And, like, obviously, if flying over the ocean is a deep trigger for you Mm -hmm. and you have to travel for work or something, then, like, or see family, obviously, then that would be an important time to go to treatment and process it. But for a lot of us, it's just, it's a pretty easy one to avoid. Like, I think I would be, I would never go on a cruise. That's just a personal thing
1: I went on a cruise recently, like not super recently, but maybe like three years ago, but I was like, I'm totally good with this. And then when we were at sea, like looking out into the vastness of the ocean, I can't explain to you how horrifying that was just being like, oh, I'm out here and there could be anything underneath us. And if our ship
0: sinks, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, I, I guess the only cruise I would consider going on would be a cruise to Alaska. I think that's the one that I would be most likely to go on, because I've known people who have gone on it, and I've heard it's amazing. Um, i that, too. Also, I can't handle warmth that well, so just, like, tropical cruises, not my <laughs> thing.
1: Can you imagine, though, if a whale capsized your boat? I don't think a whale can really capsize a cruise ship. But, like, if you're whale watching in one of the smaller mm-hmm. ships...
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know... Okay, there's a lot to be afraid of. Those <laughs> things don't happen that often. I feel like this is probably the most ridiculous episode because we're just trying to justify our own fear is not a problem. But, like, ultimately, this one is is so... Like, I think for me, the worst fear thing would be, like, going on a submarine near the deepest part of the ocean. But also, I, I've never once been in a submarine. I don't see any situation in which that feasibly happens so i think this phobia there are some phobias you really need to treat and there are some you aren't like i've had clients who have a phobia of the ocean and they're just like i'll just never go on a cruise and it's totally fine like i don't i have no fear about flying over the ocean i just don't want to be in it so i just won't do that and it's like then it's not really impacting your life and that's the other tricky thing is for it to be a phobia, it technically has to impact your life. Like, it has to be a problem for yeah. it to be, like, a treatable thing. So if it's just, like, I have a nagging fear of being out in the middle of the ocean, but I can very easily avoid being in the middle of the ocean, it's not, like, really something that for a lot of people you would need to treat, necessarily. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But, like, if you worked on a cruise ship. Yeah. I mean, we could go on that <laughs> all day. But you guys If
0: you have... The Lassophobia, please don't get a job on a cruise ship if there's any other alternative job for you. (laughs) That would not be wise. Stay landlocked. Come to the Midwest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There are no oceans in sight. Not a one. All right. Next topic. Something I think actually is really interesting is hallucinations at sea. And we had somebody write in
0: about this, and I think we're going to talk about it later. I will be reading, was it a hallucination, or was it ghosts? Weird or what? Um, Is that weird, or what? (laughs) Also, I did tell you that there's a show on Netflix called Is It Cake, where you have to guess (laughs) (laughs) which object is actually a cake. This is amazing. I need you to know this. Thank you so much. I did see that. And I was just like, this can't actually be a show that's just guessing if things are cake or not. But it is. It truly is.
1: And it's wildly entertaining. (laughs) All right. So while hallucinations are popularly associated with mental illness, the reality is the majority of healthy adults have experienced hallucinations at one time or another in their life. Although they're uncommon, hallucinations are considered a normal part of human development especially in young children. There's a book actually called Fire in the Brain, Clinical Tales of Hallucination. And the author, who is also a psychopharmacologist, Ronald Siegel states, in childhood, the hallucination of imaginary companions are not only common, but normal. And researchers report between one half to two thirds of all children have them. Did you have
0: one? Um, I did not have an imaginary friend. I did have auditory hallucinations for a brief period of time as a child. But actually, the weird thing is I had to do research because I've had clients who are right at that age who have like a sudden presence of auditory hallucinations for like a couple weeks that go away. So I had to do a ton of research. And of course... You don't necessarily want to assume that things are just a, you know, random, normal, healthy hallucination when they're sudden onset. You do want to monitor it. But especially if it's not distressing, what I did find out is actually there's like a brain development period in like late elementary school age children where it's not uncommon for them to just hear Mm -hmm. benign things for a couple days. Like I remember it was just for a little bit where like I would hear an echo of things like I would say something and then I'd hear it like echo back but it was only for like a couple weeks like it was something that just kind of happened I've had you know I've had a variety of clients where it's just like oh I just like hear like you know even hearing your name being called when it's Mm -hmm. not can technically be a hallucination you're hearing something that's not there a lot of times in kids it presents stuff like that where you might just like you know, have an imaginary friend or hear talking or hear weird things that aren't like threatening right. for a while. And then it just goes away. So it is actually weirdly common. And I yeah. think adults can even think about probably uh, the most common hallucination in adults might be he- feeling your phone vibrate when it didn't.
1: Yes, totally. Totally. And I know it's pretty common like around like pregnancies and after pregnancy too. Mm -hmm. especially with that uh, sleep deprivation
0: (laughs) sleep (laughs) deprivation again you also want to be very careful there is stuff because yeah sleep deprivation hallucination do happen typically at like uh i think it's as soon as like 36 hours without sleep Mm -hmm. it's not that long um where you start to see and hear things of course if you've recently had a Baby, please be honest if you're experiencing it because there is also such a thing as postpartum psychosis, which is yep. different, and you do want to get treated promptly if of that course. happens. So be people. aware, tell people. It's no. not, it's tell your medical professionals, but a lot of times, yeah, I think we always assume like hallucinations, schizophrenia, but there is a wide variety of hallucinations that are. Totally fine, normal things. Sometimes you just need to sleep more or your brain is just in that period of development where it's just like, ah, just clicks in real fast and clicks out. Did you have any childhood hallucinations or anyone you know?
1: Yeah, um, when I was little, so I guess it would be visual. Um, Sometimes, like, I would, like, see people in my little brother's room, like, before he was born. And I remember that happened a couple times, but I watched a lot of Goosebumps, so I was like, oh, it's ghosts. It's ghosts in the house. So I don't know what that was about, but it went away.
0: Could have been ghosts. Could have been ghosts. (laughs) Could have been hallucinations. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? And then I would say I had a,
1: I guess, like a tactile hallucination thing for a little bit, where after having my son... Every once in a while, I would get like phantom like kicks in my stomach where it would feel like he was still in there. Um, Obviously, he was out. But I think, you know, a lot of it was related to like not sleeping so great when he was first home and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Yeah, so that that was a weird one. But yeah, so there's five types of hallucinations, just in case you folks don't know. So there's visual, so it's seeing things that aren't there. Uh, auditory, hearing things that aren't there, tactile, so feeling things that aren't there, olfactory, so that's smelling things that aren't there, and taste, so tasting things that aren't there. Um, I think taste might be the one that's most rare.
0: Yeah. and I think smell might be the most common. Yeah. Yep.
1: When you are at sea. There are obviously are physical, mental, and emotional challenges that come up, which could kind of cause these hallucinations. So, when you think about um, early mariners, um, they were often at sea for five months, two years, under extreme conditions, so battling the environment, illness, and loneliness. So, currently, it occurs most frequently among solo racers, so people who sail competitively Mm -hmm. due to extreme demands of their sport so between the need to maintain a proper lookout the desire to maximize boat speed and healthy mistrust of self-steering and heavy seas solo and shorthand racers can easily find themselves working in excess of 20 hour days at sea which i would imagine be freaking exhausted Mm mm-hmm Mental impairment generally occurs within the first 24 hours of significant degradation of thinking ability within two to three days. Unfortunately, as fatigue sailors, mental health or mental abilities are impaired. So too, is our ability to recognize the early warning signs of sleep deprivation, such as extreme sleepiness, lethargy, slurred speech, and poor decision-making. In The most common hallucination, most people hallucinate that there's actually another crew member on board. I'm sure this is Mm -hmm. related to loneliness and missing being around people. And it is important to remember that hallucinations are symptoms. And while acting on the hallucinations may put the sailor in danger, what causes the hallucinations is generally the more serious threat to the sailor's well-being. So, like we're talking about with the sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. So, the next piece... That I wanted to get into, um, inspired by the movie *The Lighthouse*, <laughs> um, yes. is this whole thing about lighthouse workers going insane. So I was very curious about this. So lighthouse workers not only had to worry about storms and terrible conditions, but in 19th century lighthouse lighthouses, um, the keepers had a fright had a high frequency of madness and suicide. So <laughs> many assumed that they went mad from the solitude and the demands of the job. But another factor was mercury poisoning. Mercury, mercury. So Fresnel lenses were great, were a great lighthouse innovation of the 19th century. So they were developed by a French physicist named Augustine Jean Fresnel and it increased the intensity and range of the lighthouse beacon. So for rotating lights, just as the importance of the strength of the light, however, was maintaining a specific speed of rotation, so that if the chart said that the light flashed every 20 seconds, the light, in fact, rotated so that the light was visible every 20 seconds. The best near-zero friction bearing of the day was created by floating the light and the lens on a circular track of liquid mercury. When dust, dirt, or other impurities built up in the mercury, part of the lighthouse keeper's job was to strain the mercury through a fine cloth. One of the symptoms of mercury poisoning can be the onset of madness. So you guys may remember, um, in the 18th and 19th century, um, people who manufactured hats ended up Mm -hmm. uh, getting this type of symptomology for mercury poisoning and they became known as mad hatters um so the lighthouse keepers were be, being driven mad by exposure to the mercury fumes unfortunately
0: which is interesting and yeah. i think that's that's another thing too is that a lot of environmental factors do present with mental health side effects which does make things really tricky at times to look at historically of, you know, did this person have schizophrenia? Did they have an actual disorder? Or was it just mercury poisoning, which would have to be treated completely differently yep. in order to reduce symptoms? There are a lot, even, um, lead mm-hmm. is another. Mm As another big one, there are some researchers, I don't have a citation on this, but that I've read that are actually suspecting that certain things um, did increase, certain crimes did increase as a result of when leaded gas was popular in the United States. Actually, people breathing in lead fumes in some cases can cause brain damage, just like lead chips. Right, like lead paint and kids eating lead paint chips all the
1: time. Like, people be like, Oh, did you eat paint chips? Mm -hmm. Like, people say that. I think it was in like Tommy Boy, where he's like, Did you eat paint chips as a kid?
0: I, yeah, I think there's a lot where I mean, and I don't, I, it's something I've heard a lot of, but it is interesting to look at some of the research because environmental factors do absolutely impact things. So do, um, our next episode will also go into this more. Spoiler alert, little teaser dropping, but a lot of physical things can also, physical ailments can have mental health side effects. And it's really interesting. It's not actually, mental health symptoms do not equal mental health problems. Yep. Fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So another factor
1: um, that may have affected the lighthouse workers um, was that piece of loneliness and isolation. So, I pulled up a study, mm-hmm. um, and for 15 years, there was a fellow named Zubik who conducted experiments on more than 500 volunteers at his isolation laboratory. He plunged some people into darkness and silence for up to two weeks. He immobilized others in coffin-like boxes, which is another one of
0: my fears. Um, he has <laughs> students to lie quietly. Is it- Is your fear being buried alive, or is your fear coffin-like boxes? Coffin-like boxes. Like claustrophobia.
1: Okay, yeah. 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 He has students to lie quietly in the translucent plexiglass domes while he subjected them to constant light and white noise. All the while, he tested his subjects for behavioral, cognitive, and psychological effects. Obviously, there was a ton. Yep. Uh, It was horrible. It was really uncomfortable, recalled one of his research subjects. So Donald Hebbeth, head of Zubek's psychology department at McGill University, offered to do the sensory deprivation research. Everyone at the meeting agreed that this was a good idea, including researcher Carol Haskins and Commander R.J. Williams, the official representatives of the CIA you guess
0: why they wanted to look at this? Another thing about the United States government and weird experiments. What year was this? Uh,
1: I can't pull it up, but it was right around the time they were exploring. um, What's it
0: called? Was this in the 70s? Yes. It's always in the 70s. Yep. So
1: right around that time. They were curious about this. So basically in their research, they found that students reported hallucinations, delusions, increased susceptibility to persuasion, and impaired cognitive performance. So Mm -hmm. there are some huge effects um, related to isolation. So you can kind of understand that coupled with mercury poisoning. (laughs) That's a really bad combo-wombo.
0: Yeah, not a good combination.
1: Not at all. Something else I kind of took a peek at um, was Lighthouse Lore.
0: I was like, oh, that would
1: be interesting. So one that I found was there was a lighthouse house called Small's Lighthouse in 1801 where a keeper died and the other kept his body with him for weeks until the relief boat was sent for for fear of accusation. So they didn't want to get accused of trying to kill them or anything like Mm -hmm. that yeah so to prevent anything so gruesome happening again trinity house progressed their stations from two to three men Mm crews so that was the first one that's commonly known is you know they come about a man with another man's body and i'm sure that was like horrifying to stumble Mm -hmm. upon another one that is commonly known is December 26, 1900, there is a place called Flannan Islands in the remote outer hybrids? Hybrids? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Sounds good. Its destination was the lighthouse at Eileen Moore, a remote island which, apart from lighthouse keepers, was completely uninhabited. Joseph Moore was a replacement lighthouse keeper. Once at the lighthouse, Moore noticed something was immediately wrong. The door to the lighthouse was unlocked, and the entrance hall, two of the three oiled skin coats were missing. Moore continued on to the kitchen area, where he found half-eaten food, an overturned chair, and almost as if someone had jumped from their seat in a hurry. To add to this peculiar situation, the kitchen clock had also stopped. Ooh. A few years later, Robert Muirhead, the board soup soup superintendent who both recruited and knew all three men personally departed for the island to investigate the disappearances his investigation of the lighthouse found nothing over and above what Moore had already reported except for the lighthouse log so muirhead immediately noticed that the last few days of entries were unusual on the 12th of december thomas marshall the second assistant wrote of severe winds the likes of which I had never seen before in 20 years. He also noticed James Ducat, the principal keeper, had been very quiet, and the third assistant, William MacArthur, had been crying. What is strange about the final remark was William MacArthur was a seasoned mariner and was known on the Scottish mainland as the tough brawler. Why would he be crying about a storm? Mm -hmm. Log entries on the 13th, of December stated that the storm was still raging and that all three men had been praying but why would three experienced lighthouse keepers safely situated on a brand new lighthouse that was 150 feet above sea level be praying for the storm to stop they should have been perfectly safe even more peculiar was that there was no reported storms in the area on the 12th the 13th or the 14th of December in fact the weather was calm and the storms that were bat- that were to batter the islands didn't hit until December 17th the final log entry that was made on the 15th of December simply read, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. And so they were confused. Okay, what does that mean? What, what, what is God is over all? After reading the logs, Mirrorhead's attention turned to the remaining oilskin coat that had been left under the entrance hall. Why in the bitter cold of winter had one of the lighthouse keepers ventured without his coat?
0: So were they all like missing? They were all missing. So yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I will say to me, the God is overall part is not creepy at all. Like that would typically, when most people would say that, would just mean like God looked over us and stopped the storm.
1: Right. Um, I don't know if
0: that's particularly creepy, but I mean the fact that they're all missing,
1: right? And they you, you know, and there the were no storms April- in the area. Yeah, no one was able to find them. It's been a mystery to this day, what happened to them. Um, So I was like, that's really interesting and
0: confusing. I, for one, blame Cthulhu.
1: I mean, could be. Could be Cthulhu. Has Cthulhu-like energy.
0: (laughs) Strong Cthulhu energy. So, yeah. I'm I'm now. Thank you for that weird lighthouse lore. I love it. Yeah, creepy, mysterious,
1: missing, Crazy unknown stuff. Happening.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're just gonna go into my weird jumbled research now. Hooray! Yay. I'm gonna s- start out with some facts about the ocean. I got these from the National Geographic Kids website. Yay! Hooray. Although, unfortunately, they do require that you pay them to look at more than one article. So that was very frustrating. I'm like, I just want to see children's facts about ocean creatures. Thank <laughs> you. don't do this to us. Why? Why are you putting this on a pay? I mean, they need money. Whatever. Everything's fine to paywall now. So it's just some basic ocean facts. About 70% of Earth's surface is covered by oceans, and the oceans hold 96.5% of all water on Earth. Lots Uh of water. The largest ocean is the Pacific Ocean, which covers about 30% of the Earth's surface. The deepest area of the ocean is known as the Mariana Trench, which is 11 kilometers down. Hmm. Uh, the Ocean is also... (laughs) Home to the longest mountain range in the world. is really? in the ocean underwater. Yeah, we're 56,000 kilometers. The mid-oceanic ridge is a mountain chain that runs across the center of the ocean basins.
1: Hmm.
0: We got underwater mountains. Uh, the largest living structure in the world is the Great Barrier Reef, hmm. which is 2,600 kilometers. Obviously, this is the UK version of National Geographic Kids. These are not miles. That's okay. And uh, they estimate that we've only explored about five percent of the world ocean. So it's five to ten, depending on who you source. There's a lot we don't know. Right. Um, now from NOAA.gov, gonna love it. Just some stuff about the deep ocean and why it's terrifying. So mm-hmm. the deep ocean is, you know, largely unexplored. Most of the unexplored ocean is the deeper part. It's 200, the 200 meters, the first 200 meters depth are the open ocean, and that's where most of the marine life that we know exists, because there's still light. Before, you know, between 200, 200 meters deep and 1,000 meters deep, you have the twilight zone, and then past that, we have the deep ocean, where there is absolutely no light. Oh it is perfect darkness, no light reaches there, the Temperatures plummet to 39 degrees Fahrenheit, so constantly near freezing. For international listeners, the freezing point is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Just throwing that out there. so kind. Um, For anyone who's not in America and uses Celsius. Because apparently we're the only ones. (laughs) We're pretty much the only ones. Uh, The pressures at the depths of the deep ocean range from forty to one hundred and ten times the pressure of Earth's atmosphere. Mm. So originally I always thought there was no light there, that light cannot survive life can't survive without light. Uh, right. however, it is full. Full of sea creatures. There are microorganisms and hydrothermal vents, deep sea corals, fish, and a variety of bizarre creatures. So we tend to think like, oh there you know, we used to think there wasn't more out there. The interesting thing is Is some people who are saying that, um, you know, that the deep ocean research is actually some evidence about, like, could give us more evidence about alien creatures and what type of life forms could exist on different forms. So, interesting, different planets, different atmospheric conditions. So, I'm going to go straight into um, creatures. I'm going to jump around. Okay. we're ju- we're jumping, guys. It's great. So, <laughs> creepy sea creatures. Uh, have Go you heard off. of Have you heard of the Greenland shark? No, but I'm scared. Do you want to guess how big the Greenland shark? School is? bus. School bus. It can reach 24 feet long, mm. and weighs up to 2,200 pounds or a thousand kilograms. Uh, 24 feet is 7.3 meters for people who prefer those measurements. I put them both in here. It's that's one good. of the largest sharks in the ocean. They're large and predatory. The species is not known to be aggressive and is thought to be fairly sluggish well, that's in good. the North <laughs> Atlantic Ocean. So, I think the interesting thing about Greenland sharks to me is they are top predators. They eat a variety of fishes, invertebrates, and other prey. However, They are known to live at the ice edge and live at the sea surface. And they are also known to live in very deep waters down to, you know, 2200 meters deep. So they they kind of, they go all the way up to the ice edge, but they can. Mm -hmm. Let me like, I think, yeah, it's like a thousand meters. Yeah, because like under a thousand meters is the deep ocean. So Greenland sharks will go up pretty high, but also like reside in the deep ocean, But they can be observed as far as uh, in deep fords. They can't, may enter freshwater, possibly. But because they go up to the ice shelf, they've dissected some Greenland sharks before, Mm. and they have found the remains of polar bears, reindeer, and horses. That is really disturbing, right? So, I mean. It's a whale that can straight up eat a polar bear if it wants to. That's pretty intense. And that thing, I mean, again, think about just the sheer range of conditions that they can survive 2200 meters into the ocean and then just like pop up to the ice, eat a polar bear and go wherever. So they're they're very tough creatures. Can you imagine seeing that? I'm just trying to imagine just like watching a whale eat a polar bear.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like.
0: What? Amazing, right? These creatures are tough. These creatures I hate are continue. I <laughs> please keep going. I hate this so much. So there's there's honestly so many of these that are amazing. and by amazing, I mean Lauren's nightmare fuel. <laughs> I mean it ruins my life. <laughs> it does. So giant squid. Uh, almost exclusively live at depths of the ocean between 200 and 1,000 meters. So they're like in the twilight zone. They maybe go deeper. So they could also be in the deep ocean as well. Um, So that shallower than that, they think the sea temperature is too high for them to survive due to the very low oxygen carrying capacity of their blood they're unable to take the dissolved oxygen out of the water to breathe so any that are found at the surface are dead or dying by the time they get up there because they're just made for these deeper conditions that makes sense so I also I do talk about them a bit in the cryptozoology episode cuz they were a creature that was thought to be made up but they're very very real. So we're the first real. <laughs> yep, yeah, the first confirmed report of a giant squid in the wild was from Dr. Kubodero in 2004. There had been a few dead or dying individuals seen before, but this was the first time it was photographed in its natural habitat. He put a baited camera where he thought there could be a giant squid and just waited. One individual appeared and attacked, so we have to assume that the giant squid is a solitary hunter. It seemed to be quite aggressive, and its streamlined shape had previously suggested it could be a fast-moving predator. These photos confirmed it. I hate that. I know you do. Lauren looks very uncomfortable right now. I'm <laughs> just, just crying <laughs> silently. <laughs> just deeply, violently uncomfortable. These giant squids. So they also had six years later video footage of a giant squid in its natural habitat. Um, They made a jellyfish-like lure, which gave off light. Giant squids are thought to eat deep-sea fish and other species of squid, though there are uh, reports from Spain of dying individuals washing up that show signs of being attacked by another giant squid. So they may attack each other. Um... They're not sure if this is cannibalism or a fight, although giant squid beaks found in the stomachs of other giant skids suggest they can be cannibalists. Cannibalists. Cannibals. Cannibals is the right one. I'm just... Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so, we have increasing knowledge of the giant squid. However, the colossal squid is more elusive. The giant squid is found all over the world. The colossal squid lives in Antarctic waters so there's a bit more this even shows like they're very hard to study when we're looking at the giant and the colossal squid okay so basically the colossal squids are a bit shorter than giant squids but they have like a bigger heavier body and like shorter limbs so the colossal squid could be 490 kilograms the giant squid can weigh up to 275 so they are just Kind of different. So even then, there's, yeah, it could be. So that's um, about over a thousand pounds, which is like the 400 kil, uh, 490 kilograms. And they can, you know, get really, really big. And the thing is, they're not sure. So the giant squid, the longest recording specimen was 42 feet long, which is three feet shy of a school bus. Great. So they get big. The colossal squid weighs a lot more, but that's just because they have a bigger body. Whereas the giant squid is a bit more, you know, I guess it's a bit differently shaped, has a bit of a smaller body, but is a lot longer. So both terrifying. Both. Love that. Lauren will be having nightmares tonight about them both. Mm -hmm. Um, So now that we've shared, I think another thing, this is just a fun fact about the deep ocean, but you know the blobfish? Yep. Yes. So an interesting fact about the blobfish, did you know that the blobfish is not actually blobby? No. No. So the blobfish only looks like that because it's meant to survive at the immense pressure of the lower ocean so it kind of deflates when you bring it into that lower pressure Um. so blobfish the only blobfish that look like that are dead blobfish that have been gotten all the way up to the ocean they look like normal fish when they're down there that is an interesting thing is yeah that's just what their corpses look like because their bodies are designed right they are kind of gelatinous but that's because of the high pressure that's kind of how they can survive and move down there huh. but they can't really hold their shape together interesting when yeah so that is also interesting there's also a lot of like creatures um I mean, there's one fish that, like, you can see its eyeballs through its translucent head. Like, there are a lot of really bizarre ones down there. Fascinating stuff. Um, But now, we actually, we have a patron gave me permission to use his name. His name is Matt. Hello, Matt.
1: Hello, Matt.
0: Uh, Also, just want to give a shout out. We also got a message for Matt. Matt just got engaged. Congratulations to Matt and his fiance. We wish you the best of luck happiness together Um, so Matt reached out because as it turns out he's a former sailor and wanted to share his ghost stories that he's experienced while at sea so I'm just gonna read these out directly these are his words We're so grateful. I love when people send us stuff like this. I know. Amazing. So they say, The only thing I can recall from my own time at sea that might be interesting psychologically was when I experienced visual and auditory hallucinations while standing lookout to watch alone in the dark after working 36 hours straight without sleep. It was like a lucid dream except I was awake. So... That one was interesting. For the hallucinations, I remember feeling really stressed out because I couldn't tell if I was awake or asleep, and I knew I'd be in big trouble if I fell asleep on watch. I kept seeing and hearing lots of little things running around the deck uh, by my feet. It's really hard to describe. I kept having to give myself little tests to make sure I was awake. Oh. So that's what you. You know, saying is a hallucination, which makes sense, right? 36 hours straight without sleep and then being alone on a deck lookout by yourself could absolutely cause that. Um, Especially, you know, seeing and hearing just little things running around and not being able to surprise. To, like, really kind of explain what it is totally makes sense. He also has a ghost experience. For the ghost, we were in port and I was alone in the engine room standing watch. It was mids, midnight to 4 a.m. Thank you for clarifying. So, no reason for anyone else to be around. Plus, I had security cameras and had just finished walking around all the spaces, so I knew there wasn't someone there. I was sitting in the control room and saw someone walk by out in the main engine room. I went out to see who it was. Maybe the first engineer was up for some reason, but there was no one out there. Mm. That's all there is to that one. There were rumors about ghosts, but every ship has those. I can't swear that's what it was, but I know I saw someone very clearly, but didn't have time to make an identification, and then they weren't there. Ugh. So, again, real stories, very interesting. Thank you for yeah, sharing that's that. That's spooky. Because I think, right, there are some things where you can very clearly be like, yes, that was a hallucination. That's what it is. There are other things that really aren't sure. Um, Right. It's not super clear. Yes. Yeah. And then I also found, this is another interesting one. Um, This is from a website that was just talking about underwater ghosts and okay. people's experiences. So this is just random stuff people have reported. I don't know these people, cannot source them, so we always gotta take it with a grain of salt, but it is interesting. Because, basically, there are apparently a lot of cases of underwater ghosts. Interesting. I've so never these heard are of this. Underwater ghosts. The ocean is terrifying. So here's some stories of just underwater ghosts. Um, yeah, so I are saying, there's an image of a diver's face mask frame taken at 130 feet in a flooded underground cavern shaft. There was no diver present in the deep portion of the cavern during the time of this shot. Our photographer took the frame in sequence after the team had heard screaming coming from below. We panned deeply and shot The black water at the source of the screaming voice, which was the exact site of a diver death. This is the real thing. To our knowledge, the first underwater ghost photo ever taken in history. So they're diving in a cave, hear screaming, take a photo, and there is a diver's face mask frame in the Mm -hmm. photo, even though there was no diver. However, a diver had previously died there. Mysterious. Yeah. Creepy. i want to look it up and see what it looks like. So the next one... The creepiest dive of my life though, two buddies of mine were on a night dive in the Puget Sound hunting prawns. It was about one AM and we're a good one hundred feet deep. The pitchiest black you could imagine. We used to do this thing on night dives where we'd get in a circle, turn off our lights, and then stir up the water and watch the bioluminescence float around us like floating stars in a black watery space. Beautiful. Oh my God. Scary. <laughs> Only this one time we turn off our lights, stir up the water. The water glows just enough to reveal a fourth person sitting no. in our circle. Oh, man. Absolutely not. Creepy. Creepy. All right, there's. Yeah. Our next one. We were at a dive resort, so it wasn't odd to see another diver. Only it was 1am. We'd seen no one else prepping a dive at the dock. He was also alone, which was odd considering the dangerous conditions of a night dive in those waters. He had no fins or gloves. I don't know how he swam so well without fins or didn't get hypothermia without boots and gloves. We we wore dry suits because it was so cold, but this dude was in a wetsuit with an exposed skin, and we saw a giant gash in one of the legs. The three of us notice him. We're too fucking scared to move. I can hear my buddies panting in their regs and the guy just smiles and waves then swims away.
1: What in the world?
0: So that's, yeah, the creepiest dive. That was all one story, not two. Creepy. Was it a ghost diver? Was it just another diver who just happened to be there and they just didn't see him? Maybe they have like hypothermia and are like, Cause don't you get like warm if you're actually freezing? Like, you start getting hot. I think so. You get fooled at some point. Interesting. Creepy. All right, got another one. Okay. In yet another report first published in the Santa Rosa Communicator in 2011, a ghost was spotted in a so-called blue hole or underwater sinkhole. Two scuba diving instructors were apparently carrying out a dive at the blue hole when they noticed something strange through the grate, which supposedly keeps anyone from going down into the more dangerous territory of the hole's deeper unexplored depths. They were past the grating. They claimed to have seen a solitary diver wandering around wearing a pink tank. At first, they thought it was just another diver who had somehow managed to infiltrate past the security measures. But as they drew closer, the diver vanished into thin air right before their eyes. When they asked the people running the hole if there was another diver there... They were told that they had been the only divers there all day. Apparently, it turned out this had not been the first report of a mysteriously vanishing diver in the hole. And they told them that there had been five other reports. Damn. Yeah. Spooky. Very spooky. Um, so now, I just find these interesting. Mm-hmm. So, somebody specifically asked one of our patrons about superstitions. Um, a lot of times, they're, you know, historically considered that women were bad luck on boats. Um, it was interesting because apparently up until the 16 to 1700s, wives and children were often on warships with their husbands during peace times. Like sailors would just bring their families with. It wasn't that uncommon. It was more recent that they weren't allowed to. So, like, women weren't always. Mm-hmm on um bad luck but they did kind of become bad luck at some point in time so i have uh a list of 20 different superstitions things that are allegedly bad luck on ships this has absolutely nothing to do with anything i just found them interesting okay so i'm just gonna roll through uh it's bad luck to change the name of a boat Hmm. If you're going to rename a boat, you're supposed to have a denaming ceremony and then officially christen the boat again. You can't just change a boat's name. Interesting. Yeah. Um, When tattooing became popular at sea, a rooster and a pig were often tattooed onto sailors' feet. It was believed that these animals would prevent the sailors from drowning by showing them the way to shore.
1: Yep, I knew that
0: one. You knew that one. Okay. It is unlikely to set off at the start of the fishing season without having shed some blood in a fight or an accident. What? <laughs> yeah. So there has to be blood. Uh, this reminds me of an Eastern European uh, superstition that when you get a new car, you immediately should key it. What? You have to be the first one to damage your car so you don't damage it in an accident or something. So a lot no. of people will actually scratch their car if they get a brand new car. So it has some damage. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, so apparently blood is bad luck, could be to prevent death or whatever, so you gotta- gotta shed some blood. Gotta shed some blood. Uh, yeah, it's bad luck to use an even number of fishing nets. Hmm. Yeah. Having the call of a newborn child on a ship was meant to prevent anyone from drowning, so calls were often purchased by sailors before a voyage. A call is a membrane that covers the face and head of a newborn baby. It's very rare for babies to be born in call. I think it means that they're born in the placenta. Oh. Like what doesn't break? It can happen where you deliver it all at once. Jesus. Then pull them out. So, yeah, apparently that is interesting. Uh, If if you lose a hat overboard, it's an omen that the trip will be a long one. Okay. Um, Yeah eggshells had to be broken into tiny pieces once an egg was cracked open. This was meant to stop witches from coming to the ship to (laughs) sail in pieces of the shell. So, that's witches. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we got uh, trimming your nails, cutting your hair, or shaving your beard brings bad luck to the ship. Can't do it. Uh, Sadly, this rules me out as a sailor, flat-footed people were unlucky to board a ship. I'm also flat-footed. I'm a flat-footed woman, so two for one. Uh, so women were bad luck on board because they distracted the crew, which would anger the sea, causing treacherous conditions as revenge. However, conveniently for the male crew, naked women calmed the sea, which is why there are many figureheads of women with bare breasts on ships. Um... So, yeah, the, uh, th- we specifically did have a question as to, like, why women were bad luck, but naked women were not bad luck with, like, different statues. So, yeah, it seems like it could have been, like, a distraction for the crew. It could also just be, you know, general superstition. There's a lot of random ones, so I couldn't find much on the historical thing. Um, so it was interesting. But, yeah, it Very seems like, allegedly, like, they would anger the sea. But boobs are fine. Boobs are fine that soothes the sea sea loves boobs apparently um so it's bad luck to sail on thursdays or fridays the first monday in april the second monday in august and the 31st of december
1: okay
0: those are bad days saying some words are sailing saying drowned goodbye and good luck are bad luck um things to do with land were believed to be bad luck if mentioned such as pigs It says there's a chert, pigs, foxes, cats, and rabbits. Hmm. Uh, Whistling is bad luck. It was bad luck for seafaring men's wives to call out to them or wave goodbye once they stepped out the door to leave for a voyage. Stirring tea with a knife or a fork is bad luck. Also, just, you know, use a spoon. I think the most interesting one, uh, yeah, redheads are bad luck on a boat. And uh, the only way to mitigate the bad luck is to speak to them before they speak to you if you run into them while boarding. And the one that I heard is very common is bananas. What? <laughs> bananas are incredibly unlucky. They would cause a ship to be lost. Whole hmm. cargoes of bananas were especially frightening for sailors. This one I find interesting because uh, my husband has not, like... He wasn't like a sailor, but he's been on a lot of boats and he has had multiple situations in which he has been stopped and asked on a variety of boats in multiple different states if he had bananas, where some sailors are still very superstitious about bananas and they will make you leave them. Um, so yeah, I will just skip. I'm just going to say something really interesting um, about why I won't take cruises. There are lots of safety ships on cruises. Um, okay. So some safety concerns are loss of power resulting in being adrift at sea, evacuation due to fire collision, sinking, or other incidents, uh, fires. There were 79 fires on cruise ships between 1990 and 2011, plumbing issues, overflowing toilets, improper sanitation, sinking, and the spread of virus such as the coronavirus. We all remember that. Um There are approximately 200 deaths per year that occur on cruise ships, which is technically more likely to die on a cruise ship than while skydiving. So, fascinating stuff. Uh, There were, Hmm. you know, between 2005 and 2011, there were 100 million passengers on cruise ships. Since 2005, there have been 448 major cruise ships accidents reported. 16 people have died in cruise ship accidents. Uh, Since 2000, 300 people on cruise ships have fallen overboard. Uh, Between 1979 and 2013, 55 cruise ship vessels sank, with 15 of those occurring between 2010 and 2013. in 2017 and the first quarter of 2018, Ooh. there were around 100 serious crimes reported to the FBI. The most common crime was sexual assault. There were 72 sexual assault incidences on cruise ships. Shit, uh, that's disturbing. That is. Uh, between 2010 and 2011, there were 14 outbreaks of gastrointestinal viruses on cruise ships. And so a lot of, lot of noroviruses. And I will say another interesting thing, um, murders on cruise ships oh, <laughs> do often occur just to loop it back to murders, so much that there is a TV show entirely about like murders that occur on cruise ships. I'm going to have, to. I'll link it mm-hmm. below. There is one, but a very sad amount of cruise ship worders murders are women in domestically violent relationships where they have previously okay. been attacked getting murdered on cruise ships. So, yeah, there is actually some murder as well. I would be less c- concerned about murder and more concerned with just the gastrointestinal illnesses taking out the whole ship at once. Freaks me slowly out. Slowly the silent killer. The silent killer. Um but yeah, there's also just a lot of things. You know, there's weather. Lots can go wrong on cruise ships. Lots can go wrong on the open ocean. There's creepy creatures. It's deep. It's superstitious. Don't bring bananas on a boat, apparently. Uh, people also drown. Oddly enough, more people. Uh, if you had to choose, where is the most common place to drown on a cruise? The pool. The pool. Yeah, not on the ocean, the pool. Actually, quite a bit of pool drownings on cruise ships. So, be careful, be vigilant, and uh, avoid the ocean if you need to. I know, that was a weird <laughs> random thing on my part but you know what there's a lot of different threats on the ocean we don't have time to cover them all but
1: well there's also something that might be worth like a reddit dive if you're interested is like i i remember we were curious like okay if you commit a crime like on a cruise like what happens and i guess there's like a cruise jail There is, and there's like a bunch of like Reddit stories
0: about cruise jail, so it's kind of like interesting to read through that. There, Maybe we'll do a part. There's also know, a but... morgue on most cruise ships because if people, Ew, yeah, most I never thought about that. most have to have one because if people die, it's not like they are just gonna drop the body off on like a random island. They're gonna take him back to their country of departure. So yeah, there's usually a morgue just in case. Because also. Um, I don't have any statistics on the amount of natural deaths on cruise ships, but I do know there is kind of an overlap of senior citizens and cruise ships and just people who are elderly taking cruises. And unfortunately, there is going to be a percentage that will die of natural causes as well while there. So yes, they often have morgues as well. So, if you've worked on a cruise ship and there's shit that the general public probably
1: should know, please let us know.
0: Please let us know. So, what we're trying to say here is if you're afraid of the ocean, there's reasons. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot. There's, I think the thing is, like, I just, there were too many. I have other directions I could have gone into. We got short on time, so I had to cut some stuff. But really, there are so many different things that we could have covered. Just spooky sea shit. It's a creepy place. There's a lot going on. It's interesting. Mm Maybe eventually we'll do a part two. Let us know All right. if you guys want to hear more. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Lauren, do you have any good shit? Um, my good shit is... It's getting
1: warmer and stroller walks
0: are happening more, wow. so that's mine. Lovely, lovely. That is wonderful. I already said my good shit, but new apartment. Feeling good. Very yeah, happy. That's great shit. It's great shit. All right, well, thank you for staying spooky, getting spooky with us. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.